Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Reflecting on why you think the way you do about leadership, not necessarily applied to that organization. That's important to actually write down because thoughts are crystallized through conversation and writing. Welcome to the Warrior You podcast, proudly presented by Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. The Warrior You podcast delves deep into the topics of leadership, resilience, and human optimization. Our mission statement is simple. You're the mission. A massive shout out to our main sponsor, gym equipment specialist, Aussie Strength, a proud Australian veteran-owned business who have kitted out home garage gyms and huge fitness centres all over Australia and globally. This week on the Warrior U podcast, Bram Connolly and Lieutenant Colonel Trent Bernard answer your key questions around leadership. In this episode, Trent and Bram discuss the perception of leadership within a team unpacking your leadership narrative, and share some examples of good leadership that they have witnessed throughout their careers. Trent and Bram, with their years of experience leading in the Army, bring perspective and experience to this conversation as they answer your leadership questions. And I'm going to answer some leadership questions. I've done a few podcasts in the last few weeks. Did a podcast oh, with... Graham Corns, and it was like a three-part series, and they put it on the radio uh, in Adelaide, and that was that was pretty cool. And he uh, he was a Vietnam veteran, actually, Graham Corns, so he asked me a lot of questions around combat and leadership and the like, and that was uh, it was good as like one warrior talking to another. How do I lead people who don't want to listen? That was a great question. I thought, um, so how do you lead people who don't want to listen? It speaks volumes about yourself as a leader as well if people aren't listening to you let's just get it out there there are some people who are never going to be happy with you or your leadership style um, or you as a leader in that position and as such you know there's going to be times when people push back on you and that's just life but I think that you know leadership is a journey and that journey starts at the point where right at the point where you first meet that person. And the influence that you want to have over that person in a leadership capacity over time, it takes takes effort and it takes time to build that relationship, to build that personal relationship. So if someone doesn't want to listen to you and they're a subordinate, and let's let's just get that term out, out in the open, subordinate, because that's what a leadership subordinate relationship is. If you're not leading through, you know, some sort of um, authority, in which case they have to do what you say anyhow, especially in the military, you've got the Defence Force Disciplinary Act or some such. Same in the police and fire brigade and the ambulance. You know, you've still, and most places have, 
human resources rules. So there is some authority when you're in a position. But if someone's not listening to you, then sometimes that can be because you're a knob, right? You haven't built that relationship. Or if if you're deeply looking within yourself, maybe you can go, well, hang on a second. Perhaps it is me. Perhaps it's my fault that they're not listening. And if it's not your fault, if you've reflected and it isn't actually your fault, it's not your fault for why they're not listening, it's no longer a leadership issue, it's a disciplinary issue over time, recording it in a diary, um, using the company's values to talk to that person to get them either out of the company or to, to start to toe the line. So, yeah, um, hopefully that answers that question. Oh, the integrated warrior. Could you talk to leadership in a relationship where trust is perceived to have been breached? Brilliant. Okay. The question was asked of me the other day. Um, is it more important to have trust or respect? And my answer to that was it's more important to have trust than respect because once you've broken someone's trust, it's very difficult to win it back and maybe impossible in some situations. Um, whereas with respect, you can lose people's respect and then, and then win it back by doing things in the future to show amends, um, to show that you're working hard towards the group's goals and purpose. Um, so, yeah, trust is really, really difficult. Once trust has been breached you know this is what this is what i'm finding australians are really bad at we are really bad at having those conversations um those conversations where you know they're seen to be difficult conversations confronting confrontational conversations and because we're scared to have them as an australian culture then what quite often happens is we don't ever get that trust back because we we don't sit down with someone and say, "Hey, look, this is this has happened, and I'm sorry, and this is this is the steps I'm going to take to change that." So it is it is one of those cultural things from our um, you know very hierarchical society of capitalists who are all out to be self serving. Um, where if something is, if we're going to be seen to be taking a step back and and have egg in our face, then we won't do it. And so, and so we would rather lose relationships and lose a position of trust as a leader than to actually develop um, more trust. So yeah. Anyway, long story short, trust, respect. This one, trust. If you lose it, you're not going to get it back. Respect, you can lose someone's respect, but you can you can often win that back. The trust piece will require require you to sit down, that whole extreme ownership that Jocko talks about, actually sit down and say to someone, hey, this is on me, I, I stuffed up. The respect thing, just got to walk the walk, show people the standard that you walk past as a standard you accept. All right, what else we got? Dean Wheeler. I think leadership requires respect to be given by both parties and to never ask someone to perform a task you wouldn't do yourself, I agree. Um, Have I asked people to do things that I wouldn't have done myself? I probably have because I couldn't do them 
because I surround myself with people who are generally better than me. So it's an interesting aspect as well. Dean Parkinson mentioned you in his podcast on Life on the Line that you pulled some strings to get him a crack at selection age 37. Don't know if you caught it. Yeah, look, the only strings that I pulled was the fact that I was the officer in charge of selection course um, and put his paperwork through. So I didn't actually pull any strings. I think I think the cutoff for selection is 52. Um, so, yeah, he might be having a little bit more of a... Um, yeah, fuzzier brain moment. <laughs> um, but you know what? He, he got there on his own merit. He did a brilliant job. He was one of the older ones. I've got a good story, though, about a selection, um, pre-selection. So we were running the Special Forces entry test. He failed, that's right, he failed the, the 3.2-kilometre um, run with webbing and rifle, and he failed it by seconds, like one or two seconds. It was really, you know, you, it would be our own moral compass to to look at the time and go oh we should just give him those couple of seconds but you can't can you um it's black and white so and he came up afterwards and he said oh look um i've been feeling really crook usually i can destroy that run i just need some time to rest um can i have another go at it and generally we wouldn't give people another go at it except that we were going to be there at the location we were at which is that singleton at the time we're going to be there the next morning anyway for another group of people to do it and um, so I remember I said, yeah, okay, well, it's, you know, it was only a couple of seconds, come back and have a crack tomorrow. And I turned to my CSM and asked him what he thought, and he said, there's no way that guy's going to pass. You know, if he couldn't pass now, when's he going to pass tomorrow? Anyway, he came back the next day um, and, yeah, beat it by 30, 40 seconds. Um, and so it just, just goes to prove, you know, that, you know, take everything at face value but have a, have a think about it too and just be a good person as a leader. If you've got the authority or if you've got the ability to give someone else a crack at something and they and they have a, a reasonable mitigating circumstance for why they perhaps didn't pass, you know, it's no extra effort on my behalf for him to rock up the next day and have another go at it. And um and that guy went on to have a great career in Second Commando Regiment. Yeah. What other questions we got? This one was from Tom. How do you deal with someone on a group? Sorry, how do you deal with someone or a group of people that are perceived to be in a higher rank than you in job title, age, blah, blah, blah? Um, you know, when I first saw that question, uh, Tom, if you're listening um, or if you listen to the podcast that this gets turned into, when I first heard that or re- read that question, I thought to myself um, a little bit about imposter syndrome and how quite often we get to a position in our life and we look around us and we say, oh, I can't mix it with these people, with these girls and guys, you know, they're, they're so much better than I am. Um, and what's the perception that they have of you and what's your perception of them? Sometimes those things don't actually line up. You know, it's very difficult for us to really understand how we're seen by other people. The person that you see in the mirror isn't necessarily the person that everyone else sees. So I think it's I think it's really important to to ask groups of people, you know, how do you perceive me? So that first of all you can have a well balanced sort of idea around how people perceive you. And secondly, your perception of them, you know, 
um, how do you deal with someone or a group of people that are perceived to be in a higher rank than you in job title and age and etc.? You know, your perception of them, that's your problem. That's, that's absolutely your problem. Um, that's work that you have to do yourself, you know. And uh, there's a great saying, um, it's none of my business what someone else thinks of me. I mean, God, I wouldn't be able to do... I wouldn't be able to go live in front of you all now if I gave a crap what you thought <laughs> about who I am. Um, yeah, so I might ask Trent about that, actually. I've got him coming on now. Here we go. How do you deal with mm-hmm. someone or a group of people that are perceived to be in a higher you know, rank than you, i.e. job title, age, etc., etc.? This isn't from a, a military person. This is just someone saying... Some context to that is that perhaps there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on there from that person and also you don't know how someone else perceives you and it's none of your business really. You know, you know Your perceptions of them might be completely wrong as well. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting question. Um, yeah, look, I don't, think, I don't think there's a simple answer to it. It'd be, be great to, to actually hear the, question, mm. hear the question live to make sure that we're understanding it correctly. But uh, mm. I think, you know, if it's a hierarchical position, position so the 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 junior thinks that they're they're better is that that's it oh yeah i'm not really sure i guess yeah i mean i've I've had that i've had that in a platoon where i've where someone's like and i mean i've been that guy (laughs) i've been that guy that thinks they're better than their platoon commander and you know and and not justified if you look at all my reports all of my PARs from from the 20 years I was in the military, they all have one theme. And that theme is that I do not mind telling people how I think business should be done, regardless of whether I was in the conversations or not. But um but that's a yeah, weak stop. that's my weakness. I think I was told as a digger to stop gob off, uh, stop gobbing off every uh, every other day, to be fair. Yeah. Um but uh, the, the more senior you go up through the hierarchy, um, my experience is that uh, in most instances you actually you actually know less about uh, the detail around other people's jobs. So the, the higher up the hierarchy you go, you end up um, uh, leading disparate teams that maybe have different capabilities, and not all of those capabilities you're going to understand completely. So that was certainly my experience where I might, I might know uh, components of that organization really well, but not the entire organization. So sure, you know, some people are going to uh, know more. It doesn't necessarily mean that they need to, uh, you know, tell you that they know more than you. You just accept advice like any good leader. Yeah, it's a fair point. Mm. I, I, was, I was pretty much the same. Another awesome question. How do you deal with inconsistent performance with team members and laziness? How do you deal with inconsistent performance with team members and laziness? You know what? I'm going to get you have a crack at it, and then I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to cut loose on this question. Yeah, so inconsistency and laziness. So that's someone that's not motivated uh, straight off the bat. They're they're either they're not uh, fully invested in 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 the mission. Um, and, and, you know, for one, um, I, I think that, uh, the team member may, may in fact think that they know better, mm. know more, um, don't like, don't like you, aren't a fan of you as a leader that happens from time to time. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I certainly think, you know, maintaining that mission focus and, um, going, going back through the why, 
um, is is important in a military context. Obviously, there's there's other avenues that aren't necessarily open to uh, to a civilian leader, but mm. uh, there's always performance counselling in there's performance counselling in any uh, in any organisation, mm. and uh, you certainly be having a values based conversation e- even in a civilian environment. Yeah, and I want to take it another step further and say, you know, because the person said team members, so inconsistent and laziness across team members. And what what we're seeming to forget here from a leadership perspective is if you're a leader, the day-to-day minutia of leadership is management really. But to get people to to get people to not be lazy, to get people to be motivated means that they have to have bought into the overall vision and glide path that you're taking that team on as a mission. They have to buy into why they're there and it's around influence purpose and motivation and if you sometimes if your team members are lazy and if your team members you know aren't putting in the effort it's because you as a leader haven't crystallized a vision for them to work on and you haven't appealed to them and their and their and their specific strengths and made them want to come to work and go on that vision, that mission, that path with you for a definition of done of something that's going to be amazing down here. I don't see anyone being lazy when they're doing something they want to do. And remember, leadership is getting someone to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. So some of this has to be self-reflection. The reason they're lazy, the reason they're not motivated, is because you're not putting the effort in perhaps as a leader. Some people are just bloody lazy. I get it, but you're not putting the effort in as a leader to bring them with you. If, you. if you're talking multiples, it's very strange to have multiple people in a team who are lazy and unmotivated. That's a reflection on the leader, in my humble opinion. I agree with that. Uh, if, you get, uh, if you get the one-offs uh, or one and two in a, in a large organisation, uh, sure, that might be a reflection on the individual. But if you've got a whole organisation that's, uh, that's just not motivated, at all, there's there's got to be something around uh, your leadership, your processes, your procedures, uh, your junior leaders. Um, ab- absolutely, you'd be doing a period of reflection for sure if you're getting that across the organisation. Mm. Um, but you know, sometimes sometimes you're going to get someone who literally just wants to turn up to work, uh, punch that clock, and uh, and go home, do their job, and go home, and is not especially motivated. Um, I'm not saying that they're lost causes, but uh, uh, if they're if they're inconsistent, um, you know, they're, they're they're not invested. That's that's certainly true. Yeah, yeah. How would you handle new people coming into your agency um, who are overly confident, have a know-it-all attitude when when you are not a leader? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
How would you Everyone's handle a, right? How would you Everyone's handle a, new people coming into your agency who are overly confident, have a know-it-all attitude when you are not the leader? So they're a team member who it's basically storming, forming, conforming, norming, whatever it is. I think uh, I think there's there's always going to be that period initially where a team is starting to uh, to to form and norm. Uh, when someone is coming into a group, I think I think there's an expectation that they uh, need to conform with a clique, with a group, um, and that's not always uh, that's I guess not always true. They may have been hired for different reasons. Uh, they they potentially have completely different talents, and they're a different personality, which might have been a deliberate ploy um, to to mix up a team on you know during that recruitment process. Um, they may they may very well have been selected for a reason that you're not tracking. Yeah. That said, um, I think it's 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 on both of the individuals to at least have a conversation, get to know each other. There might be a reason why this person's particularly confident and seems know it all, but that can be that can be masking um, uh, anxiety. It can be masking a whole range of you know that imposter syndrome. There can be a reason why people do that. So just getting to know them is half the battle. I know the guy that asked that question. So, and because I know the guy that asked the question, this might be a little bit difficult for him to hear this, but sometimes these things are more about you than what they are about the other person, more often than not. And and the person that asked this question doesn't suffer fools, right? <laughs> And so because of that, it can be difficult to just let someone find their place and that place might settle and be below you in time. But mm. but don't take it on yourself to be the one to to bust this person's balls, for, <laughs> for use of a better term. Like just let them find their natural settling place in the team. You don't have to be the one to make that happen. Sometimes it's best just to be that person that just sits at the back and lets it all take its course. Every person needs to be valued and needed as part of a team, giving them a suitable task at their level and thus will give them ownership of a part of the overall plan. Just my two cents. Yeah, look, that's true too. Garth's right on the money with that. You know, the, that does happen when people come into a new team, they start flat spinning and trying to show they're good at everything when maybe they're not just because they want they want to be part of that leader's vision. It really, and this is the other thing. Uh, talking about the person that asked this question, they're in a they're in a job where they perhaps are not getting the greatest of leadership, um, and and really good junior leaders and junior officers when they get a new person into in in should give them the left and right of arc that they can operate within. Um, I know I certainly do it when I get new people. You know, to sort of suss them out, work out where they're going, where they're gonna where they're gonna sit. So that is a great that is a great point. It's it's interesting to see how often that doesn't happen as well. Um, you know, a, an induction into an organisation is is simply not enough, and that's not enough to give you know, you know this is this is where the photocopier is. This is where the you know you know those sorts of mm. uh, transactional type uh, introductions to an organisation is just is mm. not enough, and many organisations miss it. And and it certainly has been uh, the same for me. And even even the military doesn't do it perfectly all the time you know we we do focus on providing uh providing guidance um you know initially and then and then throughout throughout each year or each each posting or whatever but um 
you know, we can always we can always do that better, right? Yeah. I do think that onboarding people is a really important um, mm. important skill. And, you know, we talk about leaders doing leadership functions and management functions. Some of the management requirement is this is how everything works. You remember the scene out of A Few Good Men? Show me in the rule book where it says where you go to, you know, where you go to the mess hall. Well, there isn't anything in there. Well, of course there isn't because someone showed you that, you know. You know, uh, we spoke, we've spoken previously about uh, leadership narratives and uh, leadership philosophy. And in mm. the military, you know, it's a command philosophy, which is specific to an organisation. And, and, and possibly, uh, you know, some leaders and some organisations could use, you know, use their leaders to, to go through and think about their own leadership narratives and, and think about their leadership philosophies and how it applies in an organisation because that gives their team members guidance. It gives them their left and right of art for one of a better term. Yeah. That leadership narrative, how would you describe that as a skill for someone to go and discover for themselves their actual narrative? Yeah, so so obviously when thinking about your leadership narrative, that's a that's an internal thing. That that's what makes up that's your source code. And we've we've spoken on uh, hindsight, you know, what are you hindsight previously about um, about source code DNA, your leadership DNA. It's what makes you tick. Mm. It's the reason why you have the values and the beliefs that you've got at that particular point in time. And actually going through that process and reflecting on why you think the way you do about leadership, yeah. not necessarily applied to that organisation. That's important to actually write down because um, you know. Thoughts are crystallized through conversation and writing. You know, otherwise they're just a jumbled mess quite often. You know, your leadership philosophy is where you apply that leadership narrative to that particular organization. So this is this is how my internal beliefs, my leadership source code is then applied in this particular organization. I expect this. You, you can expect this from me. Those are the sorts of things that are externally delivered. Yeah, good. I love it. This is a really interesting question. How do you keep going as a leader when you yourself feel like there is no hope? I just had this conversation last week. Context, um, context too. Like let's have some context yeah. around that because, you know, that might mean you don't buy into whatever it is that your senior management or your hierarchy are telling you to do. So how do you keep going as a leader? Or, or that you feel that change, a change management process feels futile or feels already done. Yeah. It's very difficult. We're always we're always talking about leaders providing a vision, a purpose, a why for themselves and their organization, their team. Mm. Um, but when you don't believe in the why uh, above you, uh, that can be difficult. But all all good leaders are great followers, right? And you might not be invested in it, but if if we're to be a truly good or great leader, you know, we, we may not be seeing all the picture. It may not have been communicated as well as it could have been. Mm. So it can be it, it can be challenging. It can be difficult. A change, for instance, might be doomed to failure, but it shouldn't be because of your part in that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. What's the next question I've got here? Toughest decision made when you were downrange in Afghanistan, I guess from a leadership perspective. You know what? The toughest decision for me from a leadership perspective was probably when I had to leave a team behind to go on a mission. And the team that I left behind was my was one of my main teams. And and so leaving someone out of a mission was probably one of the hardest 
decisions that I had to make, and it was my senior team um, team commander. And then that day was the back Calais, so so him and his team didn't actually uh, partake in that battle, which you know sucks because he's such a great guy, and and I just don't have that in common with him, I guess now. And I could have used his bloody horsepower on the on the day because he's you know his team was my number one team it was team one. What was the context that made, that led you to make that decision then? Because that's obviously difficult, and it's sitting there. You know, after all these years, mm. what is the context behind that? So four helicopters um, could only take three commando teams plus snipers plus engineers. Um, the Afghan partner force had to leave five guys behind. He His team had been doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the, for the weeks leading up to that. And I just thought it was time for him to have a rest. He wasn't particularly happy about it. Um and yeah, and history would show that, you know, it sort of crappy decision. <laughs> you know, I could have used, I could could have actually used that team on the day because they were they were probably the best of the the four teams as well. Um, although the guys did an what amazing was, job, but what was it? What was your alternative? Swap another team out? Oh, I could have left another team behind, I guess. Um, but but actually, what it was was I took my mortar team, who don't usually do much of the door kicking stuff and so I thought I'll give them a, a run and you know yeah. that that team had a medal of gallantry um or at least mm. at least distinguish yeah anyway whole heap of awards came out of it for that team yeah right but, so I mean that's yeah. about developing your team yeah I mean we asked what was the hardest decision not whether the decision was right or not I mean the decision was obviously yeah. right it just was crap crappy decision to have to make um yeah. on the day I've got another I've got a really good question here What's the best example of leadership you've seen from an officer? There's a there's a certain one star kicking around the place now over here in Perth, who, when he was the when he was the OC of the tactical assault group, he he reversed his station wagon um, company car into a pole after you know I think charging someone a few weeks prior for doing something similar, not having a guide. And one of the things you have to do with with all of those tag vehicles back in the day was to have a um, to have a guide to to guide you back, um, and he didn't. And so, you know, he filled out the paperwork. I'm pretty sure he paid the uh, repairs and everything out of his own wallet. Yeah, and it, and it's just one of those things where that that rumor went around faster than the rumor of him reversing the car. Yeah, so I think that that was probably one of the best decisions I've seen from from an from an officer, just from that perspective. Also, the the next Sokost, um, you know, I saw him. I, I was fortunate enough to work with him in Afghanistan when he was the commanding officer. I won't go into too many details about this, but I saw him make some some very good strategic decisions that I think others probably wouldn't have made, which had a direct uh, result. No, I won't go into it. But yeah, he made some decisions which would have been very difficult to make strategically that had a great outcome on 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 the uh, the landscape that was Afghanistan at the time I was there. And one that I saw that was good was when one of the OCs said, hey, I'm not taking my guys outside unless you get me protected mobility vehicles. We're not going out and land. And we're not going out. It was almost, a, you know, it was almost mutinous, I guess, in some ways. We're not going out unless you sort this out. And forced the army to to do the right thing. Yeah, is it mutinous or is it uh, or is it you know ensuring that uh, the leaders getting the right resources for the mission? 
Yeah, mutiny is an interesting one, isn't it? It's a fine line yeah. between being mutinous. Yeah. It's a fine line between being mutinous and then saying, uh, uh, you know, this is actually the right thing to do to the senior sirs, you know, or ma'ams mm. or whoever's in charge. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. So let's, well, that's a, great, that's a whole podcast in itself. Moral courage, doing the moral courage, moral courage and leadership. Yeah, just because something's legal doesn't make, make it right. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard the chief officer of uh, CF, CFS say uh, yesterday, actually, that um, you know fireys are hired for their bravery, and then and then um, then all of a sudden, at some point in their career, where they become senior enough. Um, they're chastised for being brave and courageous uh, towards this the senior sirs. Mm. You know they're they're unlikely. You know if they're being hired for courage and bravery and and physical strength, and sure that courage changes over time. Mm. Um, they're unlikely to change the their nature of being courageous and and fighting for what's right for their team. You know as as their career goes on. So obviously you know this this particular uh, soldier's done the same. Yeah. You know, he's, Someone's asked, Dean, Dean Wheeler, the old term, fake it till you make it, is certainly something that you shouldn't be subscribing to. But do you think there is a small amount of this that sneaks into someone's initial start of a career? You know, that's great. So actually, fake it till you make it is something that I do think people should subscribe to as a leader. Um, you have Because if you lead by the right actions, those actions will... Um, end up becoming your behaviours and so on and so forth. Um, so talking to Patricia about this in uh, episode one of this season, the Warrior You podcast, and she talks about how words words become worlds and thoughts become things. So we we use a throwaway line like, ah, oh, fake it till you make it. But actually what we're saying is your thoughts become things. I am a leader. I, I am enough. I am the right person standing in front of these guys and girls. And having that affirmation, that fake it till you make it, words become worlds, thoughts become things, that gives you the confidence to lead. Um, and I think, I think we should all actually subscribe to a little bit of that, of thinking, yeah, I'm good enough. And then being humble enough to take feedback on, on that actual aspect of your leadership style. I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and I am uh, on your team when it comes to faking it till you make it as well. There's an element of that as a leader. Uh, and the reason for that is that, that rarely, are you, rarely are you elevated into a position that you've done that before. So yeah. clearly, um, you, you know, you're not you're not quite sure what you're going into. You're not quite sure what the team's about. You're not quite sure what the role is about. And to be fair, even if you've had some sort of a handover prior to prior to doing it, you get there and you you, you know that's when you find all the you know the skeletons in the closet. Anyway, um, yeah. so I I do think that faking it till you make it is is important to some extent because it's about an adaptive mindset. Yeah. Um, you, you just if you're doing if you're doing the same thing over and over and you're not faking it, you're actually doing what it is. Then you you've probably you've probably gone as far as you're going to go on your leadership path, your leadership journey in that particular role. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely think there is an element of fake it till you make it. It's a, it's it's being adaptable. It's being flexible. Yeah. Um, and you've got to stretch yourself because nothing, no great learnings just came by being comfortable. Yeah. You know, it always comes from adversity. It always comes from being outside of your comfort zone. I'm smiling away here because I'm thinking about being promoted from sergeant to captain. And that happened on a Thursday afternoon just before lunch. So the CO, commanding officer, took me down. He said, meet me at the meet me at the officer's mess. And I met him there as a sergeant and we walked in. And then they took my sergeant rank off me and put three pips on me. And then he goes, oh, I'd like to introduce you to the newest captain in the Australian Army, blah, blah, blah. And then he walked away and then I looked around. Everyone went back to eating. I just stood there by myself going, oh, Jesus. I'm now a captain. What do I do now? Welcome to the new guy. Walk over. (laughs) Hey, dudes. (laughs) There's a lot of faking it going on for about six years (laughs) until I was promoted to to major. I'm still faking it. But, yeah, we, we... you know that I mean that is a massive rank change, sergeant to captain. By the way, so there's a lot of there was a lot of trying to work that out on the flight, building the airplane while falling off the cliff, so to speak. I had my own experiences with that as well. So yeah, you've just got to apply what knowledge you do have and apply it to the situation. And before you know it, you'll you'll be testing, adjusting your way through the situation, and and your boss will still give you performance feedback if you're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair call. All right, gang. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Warrior U podcast. Did you know that our parent company, Hindsight, offers leadership and resilience training as well as workshops? If you would like to know more, please head to www.hindsightleadership.com. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, there's a donation tab at the bottom of the main podcast page. All contributions are greatly appreciated and help to keep the show on the road. If you're interested in the Warrior U Military Preparation course, you can find all the information through the podcast website page. Just click on the training tab. All this information and more can be found at www.podcast.warrioru.com.au. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.